Right, gang? You like to watch new stuff, right? I mean, who doesn't? I do. Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time, like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama, a new season of The Kardashians starring the Kardashians, of course, and Grand Cayman Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's streaming now, and it's waiting for you on Hulu. Here's something you might not know about wireless. Sometimes what you see isn't what you get. But with Visible, what you see is what you get. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. Just $25 per month, taxes and fees included. Switch now at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Hello, the internet, and welcome to season 227, episode 4 of Dear Daily Zeitgeist, a production of iHeartRadio. This is a podcast where we take a deep dive into America's shared consciousness. It is Thursday, March 10th, 2022. My name is Jack O'Brien, a.k.a. Eat Shit from Bananas, B-A-N-A-N-U-S. That is courtesy of Christy Amaguchi Man. A reference to the little part of the banana, the little like nub at the end that is gross. I always feel like I'm eating like a belly button or something. <laughs> uh, anyways, the bananas. Well named by someone on Reddit whose name I don't remember. But uh, a shout out to y'all. Uh, well, I'm thrilled to be joined uh, by today's special guest co host, a producer behind shows like Fake Doctors, Real Friends. Welcome to our show. You've heard her on Pop Culture Happy Hour. Read her at Vulture, the AV Club, Team Vogue, Pace, many more. She is the brilliant and talented Joelle Monique. Usually I like to give air horns when I come in, but today is day two without coffee, and apparently it's affecting me. I've wow. been so moody all over the place. I got really mad because my playlist wouldn't work. It's a little embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> Why can't I control my emotions when I don't have coffee? But it's not happening. So just got to well, embrace it. On for health reasons, energy reasons. What what are we what are we doing? Yeah, here? I was having horrible panic attacks, and I didn't even really clock it until Justin pointed it out the other day. He was like, "Maybe it's all the caffeine," and I was like, "Right," because like I medicated for all of my things now. Like I've I've been good to go, and then I added espresso, and it. It messed up the the calm of my spirit. So now I have to go off it, but I really, really, 
and these two is how I woke up every morning. So I, I, I switched to matcha like a month and a half ago because I live in LA and I've lived here for way too long. And I felt like I had the flu for about a week, but one, it, it's good. It like keeps me a little bit more kind of leveled out and less like spiky. But one of the benefits is that now coffee, like even like shitty, you know, what, whatever coffee is available, like is like cocaine. Once again, it's pretty cool. So <laughs> I recommend, <laughs> I recommend getting off coffee, except for like <laughs> when you need just absurd uh, boosts of, you know, insane energy. Yeah, I have to figure something out because this chai tea is tasting like water. It's really not hitting. Uh, it's pretty good. We'll figure it out. I mean, it's not good, but it's a it's a substitute worth testing. I need a roasted bean flavoring. Okay, I need okay. full body right. flavor to smooth me into my morning. I'm gonna figure it out. Internet, you figure it out for me, and then I'll try things. Well, Joel, we are fortunate to be joined in our third seat by a hilarious comedian, one of our favorite yes. guests on TDZ. Dave Grohl once touched her arm and said, hey, you're pretty funny. <gasps> you can see her on stages everywhere from California to London, Berlin, Singapore. Uh, go follow her on Twitter and then watch her set from Punchline SF last week. It is brilliant and such a blast and makes me uh, excited to go see stand-up comedy again. It is Lydia Popovich! What's up? There's your air horns. Oh my God, I'm so excited to finally talk. Uh, Joelle, I have a solution for you. (gasps) Lydia, yes! I have a solution for you. There is a product that is, I won't say the brand name because fuck a brand, whatever, right? Like I'll I'll say, we're we're not advertising. I'm not not giving anybody any free advertisement. But (laughs) there is a, a mix that is chai tea flavored like espresso. (gasps) <gasps> and I think it has a little bit of espresso in it, but like pretty minuscule amounts. Oh and it is goodness. so delicious. It's a little powder. It comes in a canister. It's made in San Francisco. You put it into water. What? You can put it into coconut milk. You can put it into regular milk. You can put it into whatever milk you want. Give it a little zhuzh. And then next thing you know, you have a delicious coffee tinged, like low caffeine beverage. I got you. Lydia, I got you. Every time our paths cross, you save my life a little. Thank you so much. <laughs> really looking forward to trying this. I'm I need I it. am full of lots of lots of little things. I don't know a lot about a lot, but I know a little about a lot. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yes, it does. Yes, exactly. Hell yeah. Is chai like caffeinated? Is that a oh, pretty up the butt? Yeah. The chai oh, nice. chai mm-hmm. tea is super caffeinated, just like black yeah, tea yeah. is. You know what I mean? But it's it doesn't yeah, smack yeah. you in the face. Right. Yeah, different, different different properties, right? It's it's the, mm-hmm. the the real the real kicker about coffee, and I I love coffee, and I think coffee gets a bad name, but I do think that coffee needs to be used in moderation. Like I spent a long time drinking way too much of it, and now I've got it to literally like I have a cup of it in the morning, and it's great, and I'm fine the rest of the day. That's the mm. only way you got to do it. If you're having that like one thirty iced coffee, you know what I mean. Yeah. If, if you are, it, that's that's the slippery slope, man. That's that's, that's a young person's you. game. That's a Ooh. young yeah, person's man. game. I remember I mean, being I used in college, just mm-hmm, mm-hmm, down in three of these a day, just really embracing all the power my youth had to offer. Ugh. Just hovering yeah, slightly it. above the ground at all times. <laughs> right? Yeah, And then around like 6.25 p.m., your palms are sweating and you're just like, what's happening? Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's vodka o'clock, though. So we're fine. Yeah, yeah, we're exactly. switching addictions. <laughs> you just switch over. <laughs> vodka o'clock. 
Oh man, Lydia, how you doing? It was, it was great to see man. you back on on stage. I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, it's been awesome. I'm actually like so thrilled that comedy clubs have people in them again. Uh, it's not something that was happening kind of regularly. You never knew what was happening when you're going into places. And now I feel like people are really out. Like they're out. They're sitting in the chairs. They're excited to take their masks off. They're laughing. Mm. You know, people aren't on the verge of, you know, freaking out. They're just having a, a genuine good time. And it makes my job so much more easy <laughs> just yeah. to get up there and have a great time and and not feel bad about it. Right. Like not feel like I'm contributing yeah. to like putting people's lives at risk. I, I'm feeling much better about being a live performer. It's incredible. Yeah, it's that's interesting. Incredible. There's like an inverted thing where the harder you kill as a comedian, the more droplets you're putting out into the air <laughs> oh, around the and I'm people. A sp- I'm a spitter. I know it. Like, I see it coming out of my mouth and I'm mortified. Like, that's why I bought my own mic. I take my own mic with me now. And <laughs> I love actually like, very thoughtful of you. Yeah. And I love a stage that's like Cobbs in San Francisco where it's elevated and you're also like away. So the likelihood of my like spit droplets landing on someone are pretty. It, it's not going to happen. But then like at Punchline, oh, for sure. I'm spitting on people like 100 <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> percent. There is fluid flying out of my mouth. So there's yeah, no it's, space it's between hard. the audience and the stage there. For yeah. Sure. But that's why it's such a great room, though. You know, it is and fun. they have like they have brought the you know, the, those tables aren't right up on the stage like they used to be. So, I mean, the, the oh. venues are accommodating as well. But yeah, man, it, it is. It's a trip to be that conscious of it. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And really, and see droplets and be like, oh, I'm killing someone. Maybe. <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> Lydia, what are the audiences like? Are you finding, I, because as a movie theater goer, I have found that people are much more generous with their joy. In other words, what you, we used to have to work for to get an applause or, right. you know, a big group laughter. I feel like everyone's just very primed for that and kind of jumping in. Maybe when it's not warranted, but yeah. still it's lovely. I mean, it kind of depends. I mean, I think in general, you're right. I think people are excited to be out and be doing something and, and be doing it for fun and not like because it's like a necessary activity. But I will say that I think there is a contingent of audience members that have, number one, forgotten how to act outside the house. Right. Mm. Like they have just forgotten how to act like they forget that they're not at home. So their body language is weird or their facial expressions are weird, or just some of their habits are odd, or they are just rude, right? Where they're just like, oh, I'm going to just turn and have a full-ass conversation with someone because that's what I would do at home watching Netflix. Or they are so excited to be out and talk to other people, they want to literally like have a conversation with you where they're like, oh, I'm going to speak out loud after every joke that you say and tell you how great it is, <laughs> and then tell them it's great, and then tell you why we think it's also... And you're like, this, is, this isn't a panel discussion. All right. right. I'm up here doing a thing and I need you to hush it up. But they're having fun. Right. Like they're not trying to heckle. They're just like want to be a part of what's happening. You know, yeah. they're too and used then, to the parasocial relationships we all 100%, developed when we were 100 percent quarantine. One hundred percent. I talk back to my podcasts. I yeah, can do they that hear here. me. Yeah, you, you know, I, they like it. I email them like long emails and they read them on air to me. Yeah, right. The other thing is, is that I think, I mean, many of us during the quarantine, uh, while we are at staying at home and entertaining ourselves, also maybe drank a little. And then that became a lot. And Uh I think people forgot how to be public drunk, right? Like at home drunk is a very different drunk than I'm in public bar drunk, right? Versus I'm in public at an event drunk. So some people are like 
just taking shots to the face. And then 40 minutes in, they're shithoused. Yeah. And they're just like, yeah, like a lot of woos. Like it used to just be like, you know, bachelorette parties. And now it's just like everybody, your grandma, your aunt, your uncle. Like <laughs> I've seen three separate occasions. I've seen women in their 40s getting escorted out the club for being too oh, lit. Wow. <laughs> Yeah. I kind of like, love it though. That's a very I nice mean, a woo energy can be it can be overwhelming, but it can it also can be, be extremely nice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's a cool great word for it. For like the first two minutes or whatever, you're like, all right, you're very excited. But then like after like six minutes, you're like, okay, lady, I know I'm funny, but I'm not this many woos. You gotta, you gotta, <laughs> you gotta dial it back. You know? Woo! I get <laughs> you know, woo, 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 yeah. you know, and you're like, I get it. You're 97% Chardonnay at this point, but like I need you to just chill and shut the fuck up. Just yeah. Just, you know, just yeah. be public drunk. Be public drunk. Have a good yeah. time. I bet a lot of people like kicked up their drinking at home and now like they're back out and they're drinking more. And then I think there's also people who like, you know, if you haven't drank in a long time, you just don't know how to act. Oh, absolutely. I'm sure. Or, or just also just like too. feeling fun, being like, yeah. oh, I'm fully in public lit. Mm. Everyone else is lit. Like in all that energy starts like mm. just getting you feeling even more excited. And then next yeah. thing you know, you're like, oh, yeah, I can do whatever I want. It's dark in this room. No one can see me. Right. <laughs> <You know? laughs> but I'm glad they're there. I am glad people are there. I, I will say that. I'm, And I think for the most part, honestly, like the shows I've been doing have been super fun. Super, awesome. super, super fun. And it's it just feels like, a, I don't know, like whenever I tour with Felipe Esparza, his audiences are hands down the best audiences in the world. Like, I will put money on it. There's no way you cannot have fun at his shows. His audience just come the perfect level of wasted and the perfect level of, like, just ready to have a good time. And I feel like every show I've been to has been, like, almost a Felipe audience. That's how excited <laughs> people are to be out. So I'm awesome. like, yeah, man, this is great. Tides are turning. <laughs> Tides are turning. <laughs> All right. Well, we are going to get to know you a little bit better in a moment. First, we're going to tell our listeners a couple of things we're talking about on the show later on. We're talking about uh, Biden really wants everybody back in the office. Uh, Lydia, you went back to your office, the stage. I sure did. But, sure you know, did. There, there's something about going to see live comedy that isn't replicable by, you know, being at home on Zoom, whereas many studies have shown that working from home, employees are more productive or equally productive uh, and they prefer it. So there's there's like not really a logic that has been expressed other than like we got to show we beat this dang covid and get back out there <laughs> to the office folks and i, I think he kind of gave the game away where he was like people can like return to their offices and like go fill fill up city squares or some shit like that which is like oh okay so it's real estate but we'll talk about that there's an essay on bloodknife.com which is a website I had never been to before, but well named. I was going to say, uh, what are your bookmarks like, my guy? <laughs> no, but it's from uh, the writer Ra Raquel, Raquel uh, as Benedict about the sexlessness of movies over the past 20 years. And like just the not even just like there's not sex scenes, but like they don't feel horny. Like it feels like the sex mm. has been removed from them. And, you know, there, there's some good examples. I, th I think Christopher Nolan is like the king of this <laughs> complete. Yeah. He, he made information a movie only sex. Yeah. He, <laughs> he made a movie that takes place in people's dreams where nobody there's not even like a, a, a horny image in there. It's just like 
a bunch of guys skiing around and like try shooting at other guys, like which is nary uh, a boner in sight. Nary a boner in sight. <laughs> and nobody said shit. They were just like, yeah, no, that makes sense because he's good at making movies. So we're going to talk about that, all of that, plenty more. But first, lady, we do like to ask our guest, what is something from your search history? Ooh, ooh, search history. Uh, I took a look today and the first thing on there was 15 best places for champagne in Nashville. <laughs> yes, that's, that's that's where I'm at in my level of evolving and getting back into the office because my other office is fucking brunch and I miss it. <laughs> I miss sitting in a restaurant with a fine white tablecloth. I miss having a actual glass, preferably a crystal glass that yep. is filled with a, a real champagne. And I'm not talking about a Ooh. sparkling wine. Uh-uh. I'm not talking about a, a Prosecco. I am talking about a champagne from France, ladies and gentlemen. I am talking There's something a with true bubbles. There's Huge a difference. difference. Listen, once you have, because at first I was like, how how different could it be really? What's, oh, it's, what's truly happening? Yeah. And then I went to France. I was at Cannes. I was interning. Someone handed me a glass of champagne. It took two to schnockered, first of all, yeah. just off my <laughs> ass. Yeah. And then second, like I've never giggled so much. In my, a baby could not have out-giggled me that day. It is the most <laughs> uplifting, jovial drink on the planet. I will say, in defense of Prosecco, though, a Bellini hits... It hits hey, in the morning. I'm, it's I'm not I'm not mad at that, but have you had peach puree and a French glass of champagne topped with a little bit of Chambord? You're turning me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I mean I love and listen French. The two are not mutually exclusive. You know what I mean? It's just a matter of like where you're at in your life, where are you at on that any given Sunday? You know what I mean? That would my any given Sunday would literally be about like an epic brunch. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it would have zero to do with football. It would literally be like a presentation of breads, you know what I mean? And like Salted meats and cheeses, like oh, also my God. a game of inches brunch, you know. Yeah, it's man, just, exactly. Yes, yes. but yeah, Miles' office's brunch, by the way, needs to be a t-shirt <laughs> if it's not already. You Put speak it on a in brilliant mug. t-shirts and coffee <laughs> yes. mug things. I, you're Lovely. honestly, you're right. I I need to. Yeah, you I need, need to, to that trademark that. My Start other office's brunch is kind of perfect. Yeah. <laughs> What's the perfect brunch size, Lydia? How many people are we sitting down to brunch with? No more than four. Okay. Oh, special statements. Okay. Four. I mean, I, I, I really think that's for I've done brunch with five and I've done brunch mm-hmm. with six. I, I prefer an even number. I think six works out fine, too. Okay. But it has to be the right six people. Mm. The reason why I say four is because I like intimacy. I like being involved. I like all parties mm-hmm. being involved in the conversation. I feel like when you have a group of four, you can sit perfectly at a four top. There's not an awkward wait. You are more likely to get a good reservation and be seated in one of the preferable places of the restaurant where you have a great server. Four people can evenly split a bottle of champagne or two or three without having extras. Four people can also split entrees and you can split things in a much cleaner way. So you're actually maximizing your access to the brunch menu and able to enjoy more of it. Lydia, I was brunching for enjoyment, but you're got brunching down to a science. Like that oh, was I'm, epic. I am convinced. Yeah, no more than I, don't, I j- recently did an eight person brunch. Which too many really people. Nice, but I did miss half people. the conversation. Yep. And the other half was on the other side, and it was lovely to see people's faces, but I didn't know what was going on in their lives. Yep. I didn't feel like I got caught up. And the food was amazing. But yeah, no, totally. Okay, four. Next brunch, we're yeah. trying four people. We'll see how it goes. Yeah. 
Because for me, the brunch isn't about, I mean, yes, I enjoy the company, but like I'm laser focused on enjoying brunch foods and enjoying that meal. Like I really am about the meal. Like I came to eat and I came to drink. I have a whole bit about it where I say like, I I have $200 and three hours and I'm trying to get fucked up like i I, and i mean (laughs) i mean Mm -hmm. fucked up on food and on drink like when i'm done with lunch i'm done like i'm done like that's it we're going back over we're going back to the crib we're taking dabs and i'm getting in my cozies and i'm gonna take a nap and i'll wake up and i will order dinner or something like that or i'll have like a soup or something you know what i mean i'll have something very light but like when you eat a brunch like that like that's that's the food you're taking in that day and the rest of the day Mm -hmm. is just letting your body recover because there's so much butter and there's so much richness going on that like you don't really want to sell your body with anything besides like delicious butter, delicious champagne, gorgeous breads. You know what I mean? Just top of the mm-hmm. line, top of the mm. line. Gorgeous. So breads. yeah, I, I haven't found like my brunch spot yet in, in Nashville. So I've just been kind of looking because it's either they've got great food and a shit wine list or they've got a great wine list and shit food. And like, I, I haven't found the middle. And like, I love Southern cooking and I love Southern food, but like, I really personally prefer a brunch that has a bistro, a French bistro lean. So, you know, mm. I, I don't want a biscuit and gravy necessarily, mm. you know, unless you're doing something really fucking special to that biscuit and really fucking special to that gravy. That's how yeah. I feel. I didn't come for grits, but the last time I went to brunch, is this black owned restaurant in Brentwood that of course now I cannot remember the name of it, but they had an oxtail and grits. I died. Ooh, like, I fully damn. ascended yeah. eating it. No one could talk to me. I was like, please, I have to eat this and focus on what is coming. Like, it's so good. Yeah. Oh, man. Oh, that sounds delish. Yeah. See, I, I just, I love creativity. I have to plan a brunch now. Mm. Yeah. What's yeah, something no, you think? Oh. Go ahead. <laughs> Go ahead. Sorry. We're all like, no, what, what else do you want to talk about? Let's talk about food. How much food do you want to talk about? <laughs> <laughs> all day. <laughs> What's something you think is overrated? For me, honestly, good segue. I-, I think that TikTok recipes or these Instagram chefs, like these like 15 second, like, hey, how to make 10 meals in one minute where you're like, get a get a sheet pan and then put dry noodles on it and then put cubes of cheese and then put a pile of meat and then put a pile of this and then put it in the oven and then it looks gross, but stir it all together and it's a dip. Like, n- no, bro. Uh-uh. <laughs> no, like, I don't, I don't, that's not right. You, you gotta, you gotta boil them noodles, dog. Like, I just, I'm over this like TikTok chefing. There's such a trend on it and it's so hilarious and everyone has like a little catchphrase. There's this dude from New York that literally just fries everything and it's always like, you got to put paprika, you got to put onion powder, you got to put garlic powder, you got to put your Lowry's and then, you know, you just dip it in the sauce, you know, and then he's, he always ends up with, and I got that Bev, don't play with me, you know I got that Bev. And then he shows you like a, like a jar of like fucking ocean spray cranberry juice you're like that's not an exclusive <laughs> bev my guy you took a trip to the bodega like who cares all right you made fried shrimp and you have some cranberry juice are you seven what is happening <laughs> last time i checked up with the uh social media like chefs and recipes where you like actually watch the video like we found out that the thing that everybody was passing around was like a fetish video <laughs> like the, those people who are like making lasagna on the countertop. Oh like, yeah, like that. Like that's <laughs> that so was weird. just a weird fetish video that you know everybody was like, I can't believe you know these people are so bad at cooking, and it was like, no, they're people are jerking off to this. That's yeah, well, made. and there's also like these weird trends that are coming over from that, like the food jerk off world. Like there's a whole genre of like 
very cute sort of like homely girl next door cooks on Instagram and TikTok and they all leaning over super close to the camera like in the worst kitchen position you could possibly do to chop vegetables but it's about a very specific angle (laughs) like that chick who made the like salmon with the like seaweed and the rice in the microwave that people lost their fucking minds about like she does this same movement where it's like I'm gonna over lean and get really close to the camera and like ASMR the way I'm cutting stuff and I'm just like Mm. Oh my god, what is this is like you're you're making leftovers, bitch. Like why is this a whole event? Like what is Bring happening? back Julia Childs, okay? I want yeah, my man. chef six feet tall and crying when they eat bread. This is my yes. ideal. I just yeah. I just want people to know how to actually cook. That that's my whole thing. Is like I learned how to cook from the women in my family and from my dad. And like I just feel like it's such like a sacred thing, right? Like it's so awesome to learn how to cook from your parents. And I think that you should cook for yourself. And then that way you cook for your family, be it, be it your kids or your your loved ones or whatever. Like it's just it's such a human thing to prepare a meal. And I don't like seeing it sort of convenienceized. And I don't like seeing it fetishized. And I don't like seeing it just sort of like. These girls are like, oh, I don't know how to cook. So like, I'm going to microwave this and then show you this paper plate and be like, ooh, she's a she's a wifey now. It's like, no, bitch, <laughs> you're going to lose the entirety of your man with that right. plate. Like, that's not going to happen. <laughs> like, just learn how to cook. Just learn how to cook. That's what it. is something you think is underrated? Persistence. Okay. I think that people need to be more persistent. It's really difficult to achieve your goals, right? It's really difficult to achieve your dreams. And I think it's one thing to like dream up what you want to do, dream up what you want to see, dream up what you want to get. And it's another thing to actually follow through and start traveling down that path and getting to it, right? Whether that's something as simple as like, you know, me finding a Dolly Parton pinball machine that I've been looking for for 10 years, or it's like, I want to be an ice skater, right? Like whatever it is. I just think that a lot of the time we just give up, right? Like you couldn't find it. You couldn't, you know, you're not that great at skating. Like, oh, I guess I'm not going to be a skater. Like, just keep trying, like keep going because you will get what you want if you keep doing it, you know? And of course, like it's just in my head because I did. I got this fucking Dolly Parton pinball machine that I literally have been looking for for 10 years. And any other normal sane person would have just given up. But like, no, my psychotic ass and persistent ass was like, no, no, no. I'm going to literally look online twice a month. And try to find one that is in good condition and they like. And one day I will find it. And I did. And now I have it. And it's beautiful. And I love it. But it wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for persistence. Did you set an alarm like the, on this day every month? Or it was just that much of a like goal for you that you just like, like we're doing it regardless. You were, you were searching for the Dolly Parton pinball machine. That much of a goal for me. And also I just like, I, like I have weekly searches that I do for random Dolly Parton stuff. Because like I said, I have a problem. <laughs> so it's just like it's part of my search you know what yeah. i mean it's just like oh okay i'm looking for things today like i kind of have always had this list of little things of like oh i wonder if there's a new dolly parton things here or there and so i would always be like when i'm in that mindset and some days i just wake up and i think about it like when i this machine that's how i got it i woke up in the morning and i was like i haven't looked for the pinball machine in a minute and that's because i i lost one at auction two months ago and i was really upset about it and i just was like ugh. I don't want to think about it. I don't want to think about it. And I thought it was like, I'm never going to find one that was that good. And then I woke up like three weeks ago and was like, you know what? I'm going to look. And I went on eBay and there it was. The Dolly like, Parton Holy pin- shit. Yeah. The Dolly Parton right pinball machine is behind Lydia. We can see it in the shot. It was on when the, the meeting, the Zoom started. And it's a thing of beauty. It's well, yeah. well worth it. 
And yeah, you definitely. had like people fix it up for you and shit, right? Well, it was but, it was all fixed up. I found I found it on eBay. Oh, you the, found the people. Yeah. I was on eBay and the machine was all done. It had been refurbished. It had just been serviced. It had just gone through like all these things. It had all original parts. That was really important to me because I found a bunch of them that like have been reboxed and they don't have the original cabinet or like they have different flippers or they have like a new backplate or something. And I really wanted like the 1979, like the original version. And I found it and it ended up being from this really cool shop in Florida that like that's what they do is they just restore pinballs. They're just like super into pinball. So I, I really lucked out. It was just like very serendipitous. And I offered the guy less than what he had it on for eBay and he took it. So I was like, hell yeah. That's the best. <laughs> yeah. Well, congratulations. Then, yeah. And it was a big deal. But yeah, but persistence, man, just like stick to it. And you've been on the you've been on the Dolly thing since well before the rest of the world figured it out. But oh, she's. Yeah. I'd like I'd like to say that I helped contribute to spreading the good word. I'm kind of like the the like the Johnny Appleseed of Dolly Parton. Yeah. I feel like I've been talking about it for so long and it's so wonderful to see everybody catch up and be like, oh shit, I get it. Like more people in the last four years have told me, I understand why you like Dolly Parton so much. And I'm like, oh, you mean you don't think I'm psychotic anymore? You get it now? Great. Cool. Very cool. <laughs> she like yeah, seems to be right about everything down to uh asking Taco mm-hmm. Bell to bring back the Mexi Melt pizza. Like it's for just... real. When I <laughs> saw that, I was like, yo, is this angel really gonna make this happen? Because I'm tired of making <laughs> these at home. I was like, I will I don't even know, man. Right. I will get if she brings it back, I will get a tattoo of a Mexican pizza with Dolly Parton on top of said Mexican pizza <laughs> on my body. <laughs> Damn. That would be the mexican pizza tattoo would be pretty hot actually that'd be that'd be sick i'd like that i mean i might i might just think about that as a a work of beauty yeah (laughs) all right let's take a quick break and then we'll come back and talk about going back to the office Zite gang customers are rushing to your store but do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it you know, like a literal POS. Well, you need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. Connect with customers inline and online. Look, you want to use TikTok? Well, guess what? They have plug and play tools built for marketing campaigns on platforms just like that. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point of sale system. Or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Now, I was looking at Shopify.com, and I'm trying to get some answers. Let's say, uh, you know, I had a bustling retail business, and I need, you know, maybe uh, some hardware to be able to sell my wares on the street, take credit card payments, whatever. And I know Shopify is easy to use. Half the time I buy something online, I'm like, oh, yep, they're using Shopify. And if you need to learn more, check out their website. It's super easy to navigate whether you have questions about how you can optimize your inventory or, again, looking for hardware to make sales easier. Shopify.com has all of that. Just go there. Check it out. So sign up for a $1 per month trial period at Shopify.com slash TDZ, all lowercase. Go to Shopify.com slash TDZ to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash TDZ. You like to watch new stuff, right, Zygang? I know I do. Well, go to Hulu and see what's new. Because Hulu has new stuff all the time, like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump. Join Lisa and her hand-selected staff at Chateau Rosabelle, a glamorous estate in the French countryside, as they live, work, and play together 24-7. Vanderpump Villa is where... 
first-class luxury meets world-class drama. And don't miss the new season of The Kardashians, uh, starring the Kardashians, of course. And season five promises new horizons for the entire Kardashian clan. And if you're looking for steamy streams, check out Grand Cayman Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set on the tropical Caribbean island of Grand Cayman, where the rich come to play. But be warned, it's a small island. And secrets don't stay secret for long. So come check out what's new on Hulu this month. It's streaming now and it's waiting for you on Hulu. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey, here's something you might not know about wireless. Sometimes what you see isn't what you get. But with Visible, what you see is what you get. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon, just $25 per month, taxes and fees included. Visible is the wireless company that makes wireless visible. No hidden fees, no really. Save on wireless with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. You don't need more than one line of wireless to save. Just switch to Visible at Visible.com. Save on wireless without the hassle. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. And we're back. And Joe Biden last week uh, during the State of the Union said people working from home can feel safe and begin to return to their office. And now he's doubled down, calling for an end to remote work. I think that was last week. But I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of seeing this this sentiment pervade like it, the, there was a New York Times piece from yesterday that was this person being like, you know, they like the vaccine really helped, but none of this other stuff working from home and stuff didn't help. Uh, and in fact, it caused people to die in more vehicle crashes and like linked off to an article, which would have led you to believe that he was linking off to a source, but he was linking off to his own article that blamed, <laughs> that blamed the lockdown for more vehicle crashes. Uh, and the only thing in that article was a psych professor who was like, we're just angrier now that we're locked down. We've talked before about how the more likely explanation for the increase in serious car crashes while we were locked down is that our roads are horribly designed and only work if there's like stop and go traffic because cars can't get going fast enough to kill each other. But, you know, like that, that just like sort of slow bleed from on high down to like these New York Times pieces of just like time to go back to the office. We all want to go back to the office. It's proof that America won. And it just really sticks out because all everything like my lived experience and then when you go and actually do the research it seems like people were happier and did better work from home like it doesn't it doesn't make sense to like i i still haven't heard a good reason mm-hmm. 
And they're wild if they think people are going back. Like, it's not going to happen. It's such a strange, like, phenomenon that we're seeing people say, like, oh, let's return to how things were. Things were not great beforehand. Think back. Really try. We don't want to go back to the office for a bajillion reasons, but I think predominantly because the work-life balance for most people is in chaos. And at the very least, if you're home, you can be with your people. You can, like, run out and pick up your kids real quick without a whole bunch of people looking over your shoulder. Like, why is she leaving the office and what's happening? The number of calls are taking people in their car trying to run an errand where before you'd have to like take time off work, not something a lot of people can do to like run to the bank during its open hours to, I don't know, get a loan or whatever it is you need to do to survive. It's it's impossible to think of going back to life the way it was before the pandemic. And the most interesting thing I heard about like why this push might be happening is because of gas and they're worried that like, people aren't driving enough and they're like, you got to buy more oil right now. So back to the office, go get your morning commute on, which if true, disgusting. Yeah. Disgusting. Our planet is dying. It's just, it's like a whole bunch of compounded things. And the idea that we're just going to return to normal, we could not possibly, even if we wanted to. It's wild too, because I think it, I mean, I think I agree with you. I think it really is like a, a very bad, bad, bad way to be like, yeah, gas. Like, gas is expensive. We need to do this. We need to keep supporting this industry. But I also think that there's a fear from a lot of corporate employers in particular that there used to be pre-pandemic sort of this culture in a lot of these companies, a culture of fear, right? Like, if you are not physically seen doing work and being productive and producing, if you're not the first one in and the last one out, if you're not always available regardless of time, if you're not willing to burn that midnight oil, right? There's someone else right behind you that's willing to do it. And a lot of places really depended upon that sort of culture of fear and that culture of missing out and that culture of sort of visibility and transparency with, you know, if I don't run into the boss in the elevator, then like this will never happen, you know? And that's what they did to keep people employed and also to make them work harder. And now that that whole culture has literally been killed, right? Because everyone's been leveled out. People have seen their bosses in their freaking pajamas. You know what I mean? People are having these same struggles. It's really kind of flattened and leveled it out. Or you have people that have not shown anything and are still in offices even when they shouldn't have been because they're so there. There's this discord, right? Or this, you know, disconnect now where people are like, oh, my boss is an evil boss. My (laughs) life has more meaning. I could probably be happier not working. I mean, I think it's also about unemployment rates, right? And about keeping Mm -hmm. soldiers in line so that we can, you know, buy houses, so that we can have extraneous money, so that we can also have to buy fashionable clothes because now we all wear soft fuzzies. You know what I mean? And and mm-hmm. we're not selling enough Armani suits. Like, it's just, there's so many commerce things that are tied into this that, like, it sickens me a little bit. Yeah. It's silly. You're also seeing a workers' revolution, like, across the United States and across industries as well. It's happening in tech. It's happening in factories. Like, there is a, a push for workers' rights that's occurring In the same way that there was a push for black rights and defunding the police when we were getting money for free and at home and had time to think about these things. I think there's very much, probably not consciously, but a blowback from that of this is getting out of hand and we do not have control. And it's better if we go back to the way things were when we we had that control. Yeah, I think it freed up so much time that people like have 
more time to just think about things. I think you guys are dead on. I also think there's a big push from America's underrated villain, which is re- the real estate industry. Like you can you can <laughs> see it in. Oh, uh, absolutely. You can absolutely. see it in Biden's speech where he says it's time for America to get back to work and fill our great town downtowns again with people. So, like, yeah, he's, he, he wants people to be back in offices and in these regions that have been abandoned. And, you know, the, re- real estate is, yeah, we, we, you hear somebody works for Exxon and you're like, oh, okay, that, that person's fucked up. But, like, you hear people, so many people work in real estate and it's like, real estate is a really, really fucked up industry like it's a super shady industry oh my god and it's 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 based on presentation and lies it's based on negotiations you know what i mean it's it's ever fluxing and it's wild to think about too because obviously this pandemic spurred a huge sort of housing issue right you know people losing their homes not being able to afford their homes but then at the same time a ton of people moving to areas so that they can buy homes and driving prices up you know what i mean i certainly am part of that problem myself you know i left california and came to tennessee where you know it was much cheaper but at the same time the prices like have quintupled since i've been here it's ridiculous to kind of see that that's happening it's like oh that's not enough so now we have to do it on a corporate sector it has to be impacting them it has to be Yeah, yeah yeah for sure and like if you don't have people in big, huge offices and people are, are actually maybe there's companies that are like, yeah, 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 we don't need to be here. Let's fuck this building. Like, let's all work from home. That's a huge money saver. I think it's probably a combination of all these things. Right. But the one thing we know is that we're not getting the truth. Like, what do they know about the looming? There, There's this article in Prospect that is just like, what do they know about the looming collapse of central business districts, about the erosion of municipal tax bases? Like, there are probably a lot of considerations, many of them fucked up, but some of them, like, probably pretty straightforward that they just, like, aren't mentioning. And instead, they're just like, we want to see the beautiful sight of people (laughs) in suits walking to Subway and then eating their lunch at their computer. It's like... that that sounds crazy. Like, you know, like you can't just like say something that doesn't make sense to mm-hmm. people and just like try and paper it over because you are a politician. Like wait, that just, shit does not work anymore. Well, I mean, and that's where like we have a responsibility to ourselves, right? That's which is why like you guys have this podcast, right? And we're talking about this shit. Like, I think that, you know, as Americans, we need to wake the fuck up. Like our government lies to us. Our city governments lie to us. Like everything is a means to an end. So it is 100% your responsibility to open your eyes, take a look and look for what they're not telling you. You right. know what I mean? And and figure that out and make your plan based on your feelings and what you know about that. I always tell people that, like, do not believe what your city politicians, your town politicians, your country politicians are telling you. Just yeah, do some reading, figure it out. But I mean, a lot of the a lot of offices are open and people can return. They just aren't returning. They, Mm -hmm. you know, a survey found uh, in January, 61 percent of those working from home could be going into work, but they chose not to because it's a much better situation and yeah. we now have the technology to make it like basically loss free. It's a lossless like transition from uh, working next to someone to working from home on Zoom. And you the one thing you lose is like these interpersonal conflicts that suck that people like, yeah. don't, you know, 
Like that, you just we, have to be nice to each other. Like you can't be a cunt over fucking Zoom. You know what I mean? Right. Like you really got to be hardwired to cunt to just to be like, I'm gonna show up to this meeting and just be a piece of shit. Like right? No, you well, put and on they're your happy recorded. Face. Like I mean, yeah. HR. I would love to get some HR reports out of this and like have how much have those interpersonal conflicts decreased and you know what has that freed up HR? To? HR has so many more responsibilities outside of just resolving conflict it would be interesting to see you know what are the benefits of staying at home something i'm not really i've seen it on a a personal level like you know yes more time for family yes more time for like sleep and self-care and all of these other things but from a corporate perspective what more can like the corporations be doing now that they're not having to manage the people so directly and i think that that can only be a positive for both sides of that conflict like for both the corporations and the people who work for them yeah for sure. HR is the real estate agents of, of the uh, <laughs> infrastructure. Yeah. I don't also very hard job that, you know, I, I feel I feel for anybody working in HR. I mean, that, what what a time to be a middle manager, right? Oof. This has just got to be fucking the worst and the best where you're just like, man, go with God. I don't care. Like, <laughs> call me never. <laughs> I'm just here. I'm here. Uh, I'm just here. <laughs> yeah. On the list of uh, people who are out of practice being around other humans, you can add like bosses because they. Yeah. <laughs> so there's this office in Toronto with signs that like that are welcoming people back that are like making people come back to the office. And they have these like signs that are, I guess, supposed to be funny. And they one is like a photograph of sweatpants and it says, miss your sweatpants yet. And oh, then. Wow. Then there's one, this this one is the most confounding to me. Bet your dog's missing you. And no! it's a picture of a sad wow. dog. It's like, yeah, what? motherfucker, that is exactly yeah. true and exactly why I didn't want to come back. What wow. the fuck? That is so, it, that really bothers me because it's so, so indicative of like, we're taking joy in you being uncomfortable and you being away from things yeah. that bring you peace and calm. It's, it's not dehumanization. What could possibly be welcoming about going back, being forced back to an office when you know, when you know you could do your job from home? I I don't understand, like, if we're all connected, if more work is being done and I can, like, take care of things at home and work on my relationships outside of the office without sacrificing any of the work I do, what, how could you possibly welcome me back to an office? Because basically it feels like going back to school when they're like, you got to be in this classroom. You better raise your hand to go to the bathroom. All of these ways we sort of use to control kids very early. It's like, I don't want to bring that further into my adult life. I feel like we're good. We know how to work. We know how to turn things in. And if there's a problem, that will also be made abundantly clear. There's no reason to go back to a brick and mortar. It's also the, you know, a thing we've talked about. There's this essay that was turned into a book by uh, David Graeber. And it's called Bullshit Jobs. And it's just a survey of all the jobs in America and like the UK. It's like, oh, half of these don't need to exist. Like a (laughs) lot of these are just like moving shit around and like pushing people around and Mm -hmm. creating chaos. And the, the people who mostly don't need to exist a lot of the time are those middle managers and the people who are like in those meetings when they determine shit like we got to bring everybody back so we can (laughs) you know make them cringe with our 
terrible senses of humor. Yes, yes. Here we go. Okay, so once I was working for a delivery company, I might be NDA'd, so I won't say their name. It was early in that company's existence, maybe three or four years, but they were doing well. They were about to go public. So, of course, what do they do? They hire a team to come in and ask, how can we be more efficient? Yeah, Suddenly, yeah, yeah. my very cool job where people would like chain smoke at their desks with vapes. We would watch. I had Netflix on the whole time, you know, just pop in a phone call, pause whatever show I'm binging. I watched a lot of Disney's Robin Hood back in the day. Some girl would just play Sims the whole time. And look, it sounds like how are these people getting anything done? But what was interesting to me, our numbers did not go up afterwards. No, There was no change in performance. We were just comfortable and they really hated that. They were like, look at, they're doing something that isn't 100% work. It's like, I'm waiting for a call to come. I don't do anything but wait for my little screen to light up. And then I click the call and then I help them out. And then I go back to doing whatever. And I think there's this very like old school idea of, and and to that old school's point, you used to work like working to to six or seven was late. Like, oh my gosh, you see two extra hours at work. I think in nine to five they were saying like twice a week I have to stay up until like seven and I have to get my kids dinner and all this. People don't have time to cook their children dinner. They're like, fuck it, pizza, five dollars, go eat. I have more work to do once we get home. So it doesn't make sense to tell people like you must work around the clock and also. No creature comforts. It's not tenable. And I honestly think it's why workers are like, listen, I'll just stay at home. It's fine. I'm not coming back. You know what's not compatible with efficiency? The death of the human soul. It feels (laughs) people are not efficient workers when their soul is being just ground out of their fucking bodies. 100%. I agree with you, man. This is why I think, like, again, take some personal accountability. Like, if you, I I just think it would be awesome to be like, Sure, I'll come back, but then just roll in just as you've been at home. Like, yes. just come in your sweats. Bring that dog. You know what I mean? Like, bring your little plug-in heater. Like, get rid of that office chair. Put the beanbag in there. Get yourself a little mm-hmm. Ikea sofa. Just go full Costanza. You know what I mean? And just completely <laughs> renovate your office into, like, a creature comfort layer. And be like, I'm legit doing my work, but I'm not doing it unless I'm comfortable. Like, that's just it. Just a vehement fight back on comfort level. That seems fair. Unless you got a job where you're like, you know, I don't want my doctor to come in in sweats. That's a little concerning. Uh, my lawyer can be more comfortable I mean, than a suit and tie. But, you know, figure it somewhere. Sorry, scrubs, suit and tie. scrubs or sweats. A, yeah, a little secret about <laughs> doctors. They are the one profession that gets away with wearing sweats nonstop. Constantly. Scrubs are yeah. the most comfortable fucking clothes they're designed to be, uh, I'm sure there's another reason they get to wear that, but holy shit, those are so comfortable. Yeah. And yeah, they like every other profession is fucking stupid for not having designed a uniform that it, everybody just associates with that profession. Like if lawyers were as smart as they claim they are, they would <laughs> be in like baggy onesies. That would be the yes. that would be the oh, thing that tells I us thought, that you're. A I lawyer. thought you were going to say they, they'd all be dressed in foghorn leghorn costumes. That would be great, <laughs> amazing, not comfortable to, but hilarious. Yeah. yeah, I I do like the idea of, of like needing to have a dedicated like a dedicated uniform to your your job. I think that's just awesome. Like mechanics coveralls, you know what's going on. Plumber pants that don't fit, you know what I mean. Like everybody everybody knows what you do. You're like, oh, that guy's for sure a plumber. Yeah, one hundred percent. You know. Oh, construction hats. Yeah, man, let's get some let's get some uniforms, man. You don't have to worry about what you're doing. I like that. Podcast industry. Unite. Let's let's figure out what the podcast <laughs> uniform is. 
It's just whatever free clothes you guys are advertising. If you, o- <laughs> if, you if it's only socks, then you just got to make your whole bomb outfit out of those socks. And nothing yeah, else. Just bomb us socks, and that's <laughs> it. You're like, yeah, man, it's gonna be together, dangerous bomb so fast. Yeah, yeah. No, no, I like the idea of just branded hoodies, and that's it. We need to know yeah. which podcast you're working on at all times. You working on a new one today? Switch hoodies. Yeah, actually, that's you, maybe you guys could kind of be like race cars. You know how race cars are just covered in logos that they're that <gasps> paid for the car. Jack. They should be that, but a hoodie, or Love or it. like, it. and it's just that's it. That's what you wear. It's just all of the current logos that people pay for ad yeah, space. Your mind, I swear to God, yes, yes. I need a NASCAR style hoodie with all my shows on it. Ah. Yeah, and then you guys should also have pit crew. People already do that with their like <laughs> email signatures with like every logo, and it starts to like look like you're. In the Navy, like with all the like, <laughs> decorations. So I, I feel like a sweatshirt that looked like that would be pretty dope. I love it. All right, let's take a break and we'll come back and talk about why the past 20 years of movies is not horny enough. Ow. You like to watch new stuff, right, Zygang? I know I do. Well, go to Hulu and see what's new. Because Hulu has new stuff all the time, like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump. Join Lisa and her hand-selected staff at Chateau Rosabelle, a glamorous estate in the French countryside, as they live, work, and play together 24-7. Vanderpump Villa is where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. And don't miss the new season of The Kardashians, uh, starring The Kardashians, of course, and Season 5 promises new horizons for the entire Kardashian clan. And if you're looking for steamy streams, check out Grand Cayman Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set on the tropical Caribbean island of Grand Cayman, where the rich come to play. But be warned, it's a small island, and secrets don't stay secret for long. So come check out what's new on Hulu this month. It's streaming now, and it's waiting for you on Hulu. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey, here's something you might not know about wireless. Sometimes what you see isn't what you get. But with Visible, what you see is what you get. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon, just $25 per month, taxes and fees included. Visible is the wireless company that makes wireless visible. No hidden fees, no really. Save on wireless with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. You don't need more than one line of wireless to save. Just switch to Visible at Visible.com. Save on wireless without the hassle. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. 
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with a king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. And we're back. And yeah, I actually, I heard this article mentioned on uh, John Gabris's podcast, Action Boys, and immediately was like, all right, I'm going to go read that article. And then I want to talk to Joelle Monique about this the next, <laughs> the next time she is on. It's just a good, like, sort of meta analysis of movies of the past 20 years that's like, you know, like, as recently as the 80s and 90s, like, people were horny in movie mm-hmm. like movie characters were horny and now as like the human body has like the human body as it appears in movies has been like whittled down into this like thing that requires you know engineering from like a full-time uh, chef and trainer and steroid <laughs> steroid bartender i don't know like as the bodies have gotten more like traditionally like beautiful the people have just gotten less horny. Like people, like the movie characters are just, I don't know. Like I, it really made sense to me in the article when the author was talking about Christopher Nolan movies. I've always noticed this about Christopher Nolan movies. There's not a, like I said up top, there's not a drop of sex in any of the dreams of Inception. But like, it's not just, like it's not just Christopher Nolan movies. Like we didn't, I didn't even, I was not like, that movie's fucking weird. Like that's a, <laughs> that's a movie about dreams and like nobody, it's like a world in which sex doesn't exist. And we just like, yeah, I don't know. And then, I mean, it's true. Like the, the Dark Knight Rises sex scene between Christian Bale and Marion Cotillard is like, I think the low point of his movies and maybe all movies, it's just, it does like so drab and unbelievable and just like plot mechanical. It, it sucks. But, you know, the, the author also points out like all the Marvel movies, like Pepper Potts and Tony Stark, those people aren't mm-hmm. fucking, you can just look at that and be like, those people, yeah. are, what are you talking about? Even Wonder Woman yeah. and Steve Trevor, the entire second movie is based mm-hmm. on her wanting to <laughs> take does she take over a person in a coma's body or he takes over she takes over a person in a coma's body to bring this person he back does. to life he does and, in part two yeah and they have clearly like just it's like they've not heard of sex let alone like wanted to have it with one another there's no time for sex when you're saving the world jack yeah. priorities and th- okay so i have so many thoughts on on a direct tangent from what we were just talking about. The idea that movies are so focused on end-of-the-world scenarios 
I think that we've been scared out of sex. There's just like, there's no time. Like Christopher Nolan isn't even interested in love, even in Inception, which is a set, supposed to be about a guy getting back to this woman that he lost, you know, falling deeper into his dreams to get to. It's more a figment of his imagination than an actual person he's trying to get back to. All right. we ever see of her is like her with the kids. She's very beautiful. She's off in the distance. They don't even show her face. We don't know anything about her. It's really more of a representation of that's where he feels safe. It's about him. It's not even about getting to her so that he can love her, right? Like the Mm -hmm, way that they mm -hmm. convey her. At least that's what I got from it. I was just like, yeah. so this has nothing to do with her. This has everything to do with him needing to have the things that he thinks that he needs where he was the way he wanted to be. It could have been his favorite armchair. The, yeah, <laughs> that would have been fucking amazing if it was just his favorite <laughs> armchair that he likes to sit in. Like, that's what he's fantasizing about the whole time. Damn, my lazy boy. But in the Dark Knight trilogy, both the most evil and exciting, but like evil character of the trilogy is the only character with any sexual energy in mm-hmm. Heath Ledger's Joker. Like, he's the only character that you're like, okay, this guy's like fucked up, but he clearly like has some sort of like, sexual urges whereas everybody else is completely removed from that it's happening on such a large scale i think part of it is like a purification of our country where we really like we we had a very large swift at least in my childhood this idea of like protect the children they can see like don't talk to them about sex okay we're gonna go back to abstinence training like we uh, avoid it and then because of that then you had this movement of the mpaa which rates movies being a lot more stringent on how they were going to rate and the theater industry or the movie making industry followed that and said okay well we'll just focus really hard on pg-13 movies you'll get your f-bombs a guy will definitely kill someone in a horrifying way but they won't have sex and it'll be fine people will be okay with that i mean we used to be a proper country you remember when we had like erotic thrillers they were just everywhere and they were so good and so like steamy and fun and mysterious and someone died but in the end the hot person usually got away and that's what really mattered and i sort of miss these days of like give me a basic instinct a a fatal attraction if you will i'll even take like a crush you know 1992 i just feel like as we embrace more violence and, and and more brotherhood and friendship, we just aren't really interested in romantic relationships unless they're devastating. Your lifetime super, they have cancer. They can't remember each other. They, their families don't want them to be together. There's an entire war between that's what we're getting in our love movies or they're silly beyond belief. We don't even have good romantic comedies anymore. Fight me. I just feel it's, like there's we're not interested in, in expressing love in our films anymore. Yeah, yeah, I think it's really interesting time in general. I mean, it's something I, I think about a lot when we think about the quality of relationships that are presented, you know, and and I'm I'm somebody that I don't really even like rom-com movies because I feel like they're so ridiculous and they're so out of touch with what life is truly like when you're actually in a relationship. But it's weird because we live in this country where we are supposed to be exceedingly hot, right? And we see this reflected, you know, Jack, as you were saying, in movies, right? People are these chiseled, sort of beautiful, you know, or, you know, the ideas of of what society wants you to think is a beautiful body, 
right? But then there's also the, the, the other side of that is that you either are beautiful and non-sexual or you are sexual and not traditionally hot. I feel like those are the only two kind of like routes that we kind of want to see that. And now that we're seeing people really talk a lot more about gender sort of being a construct, right? And we're moving towards recognizing and sort of accepting that there are people who are non-binary who don't necessarily, you know, sit in either gender, you know, or people who don't identify even sexually, right? Like this asexuality kind of becomes a thing. And it's really weird because it makes me think like, are we going to see stuff continue down this road where people don't even want to touch the sex because it gets too close to gender and they're too worried about putting people off, you know, and not representing that? I mean, it's already sad that we don't see enough homosexual love stories, right? And then when we do see them, it's usually like chittered and chattered about. And it's like this taboo thing that happens, you know, it's like a Brokeback Mountain situation, like, oh my God, you know, or it's like blue is the warmest color, like, oh my God, there's lesbian sex in that one. And it becomes this like dirty thing. And yeah. I don't understand because America, it's like, we want our teenagers to be hot. You know what I mean? Like we're we're we have movies that are supposed to be teenagers and we're casting thirty five year old women. You right. know what I mean? Where it's like that girl is thirty five. Yeah. And they're like, okay, well that's so we can see her fuck and not feel bad about it. And it's like, why do we need to see kids fuck? What is happening? Like, we're we're all fucked up about sex in the United yeah. States. I, I think we have a really shitty relationship with our bodies and with who can have sex and who can't have sex instead of just accepting that like there's gender and then there's sex. And they don't necessarily go together. And then you don't have to be hot in order that for it to be a thing, right? Like you don't have to be hot enough to fuck. Right. Like I just, I hate that concept of it, you know? Or like you said, it has to be tragic, Joelle, right? Where it's like, oh, this tragedy happened. Oh my God, like this is so sad. Where it's like, all right, so we have to be talking about either a devastating relationship or we have to be talking about rape in order for us to be able to comfortable exploring a sex scene. Because that's the other thing that I hate. Is where it's like we won't see sex unless it's a it's a rape, unless it's a violent crime that's happening. Right. And you know, yeah. and then it's okay because it's contextual. And it's like, oh, so in order for to feed me sex, it needs to be violent. What are we doing? This film is not yet rated a movie from 2006, a documentary about the MPAA process and like their standards and what they give R ratings and NC17 ratings, what they will and won't allow to be showed on camera is I like as close to mandatory viewing as as possible for a listener of this podcast, like y'all need to watch it if you haven't. But they they talk about the thing that the ratings board really objects to is women experiencing sexual pleasure. Oh, yeah. It's not nudity. It's women like they are terrified of women experiencing sexual pleasure. A movie will show a rape scene and then that that will get an R, but if a woman is shown like having an orgasm, that is that will get you an NC-17. They'll always cut right before she hits climax. Yeah. Right? Like yeah. you could see her being penetrated and starting to enjoy and then they'll be like, and that's the end. You get the we idea, better get kids. out of here. She's starting Don't to Don't show them herself. that women can actually <laughs> orgasm. That would be a problem. <laughs> She's but, a witch. We can't show it. But fascism, <laughs> so the this essay, which is really good, I highly recommend people, we'll, we'll link off to it, but it opens with a description of Starship Troopers, the shower scene, do, <laughs> which is, you know, all of these, like, sculpted soldiers showering together because they're part of this, like, military battalion. But the, the whole undercurrent of that movie is fascism. 
And that's like a thing that's been remarked about repeatedly about fascist cultures and just the ideology of fascism is it's all about like beautiful, efficient bodies, but like completely removed from sex and like completely taken out of the context of sex. And so so that movie was like making a commentary back in 1992 and it, you know, presaged a lot of things. But I, I think that's one of them that like just this idea that like bodies would be taken more in this direction of uh, not not really like functional. They're not like we, we're trying to remove the function and just make them pleasing and pleasing to look at. But like we don't we we don't let them have the the horniness that that is like so deeply human you know they're there for your visual consumption for the audience to ogle and be like wow isn't that a perfect body but there's again no internal desires even when we had our first marvel sex scene in the eternals which really kicked off a conversation about sexlessness in heroic movies in the superhero cape and cowl movies I mean, if you saw the movie, it is the most bland, non-interesting sex. It is boring. And there's no... Which movie? The Eternals. Oh, yeah. That yeah. movie sucks. First of all, not a great movie. I feel like I've <laughs> talked that to death of why I don't like it. Don't tell me about all your epic stories. Just please show me. But... The other idea of these two characters, we're supposed to have this great romance across thousands of eons and like always coming back together. And when you see them together, you're like, girl, get out. He's abusive. The whole time you're just like, this man Mm. is not quite right. He's a little obsessed with you in a very unhealthy way. You just seem like a sweet, innocent person. Please remove yourself. And then when they are together, there isn't that the actors are trying to perform longing it's staged so that it's supposed to be there, but it never connects or leaps off the screen. And it's because it's it's a Disney film. Disney's never going to allow you to truly invest in what it means to be like in a committed sexual relationship. That's not you are parents serving other people. You are doomed lovers. You are not ever happy and, and really enjoying yourself when they had every reason to be. It's and it's weird to me that we're continuing to get that in spaces where the studio could go there. It makes sense to me that Disney is like, oh, that's not really what we're interested in. We are very strictly a family space. But Warner Brothers, y'all, <laughs> you got so much space and time just to bring out the fucking, you could do it. It's not going to be a problem. Your audience is going to stay here for it. But I want, I do think that a lot of people are afraid of slipping into that R category because even when you have movies like Deadpool, which does have a lot of sex and actually some pretty good fun sex scenes in there, it, it it didn't do the same kind of numbers that I think a studio hopes to hit every time they release a superhero movie. It did well. They're going to keep releasing Deadpool movies, but that R rating, it does have a, it makes a difference. I think they try to go PG-13 on movie two, if I remember correctly. And the be- so this article is kind of written in the context of maybe the Batman will save us from this trend. And oh, I don't hoped. There there's no like overt sex scene, but I, I have read people say like it's, the the characters are clearly horny and like there's a like undercurrent <laughs> of sexuality at least as compared to previous Batman. Zoe Kravitz is absolutely horny for Batman. Batman has never had sex ever. 
this this version of Batman not fucking. Uh, <laughs> and it's and it's Robert. Batman's Pattinson. just sad too. Like I mean, I don't know. Batman has never been like the horny character for me. Like he's just such a sad boy. You know what yes. I mean? And it's like. He just seems like the kind of guy you'd fuck and then you'd cry after and you'd be like, God, now I have to stay. Like, I can't leave. You know what I mean? I feel mean? like Michael Keaton Batman <laughs> did fuck. And that was the only one. That was like, yes. kind of. And maybe George Clooney because is... he had nipples. But... <laughs> I would pay good money, and I'm talking good money, to see Fat Thor fuck somebody, everybody, all things. Like, when they had Fat Thor, that really did it for me. I was just like, ooh, what's up? I like that. That little belly. I was like, yeah, 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 yeah. That really... <laughs> Fat Thor was definitely hot. Yeah, Thor. Dude, I'm into it. On Thor, That's the, the writer points out, like, in, in Greek myths, Thor is like a... Oh, yeah, he you fucks know, everybody. Yeah, he fucks everyone. And in the Thor movies, like, the first one is basically a, you know, rom I mean, there's, like, a very strong, yeah. like, lead actress in natalie portman and he just like looks at her like a fucking you know dumb puppy and just like grins at her and it's like <laughs> movies are supposed to be our greek myths like or at least yeah, in man. my in my opinion like that's that's what reveals things about our inner lives and values and wishes and dreams is like the movies that we're into but for some reason like in the transition from like ancient greece to today we we're like get the sex out of there we did mm, none yeah, of that man. Bring back the fuck hammer. <laughs> the other thing I think might have happened in just the last decade is after, like, a little bit before Me Too and for sure afterwards, there's been this strange backlash of people being like, well, now just no sex. I mean, if you guys remember immediately after Me Too, there were a bunch of men who were like, well, maybe I just won't hire women because I don't want to deal with this, which was, I mean, <laughs> it just literally floored me. But at the same time, I think we're seeing a lot of, especially big movie production studios, taking a step away from having sex scenes. And the smaller productions that are continuing to, you know, if they want to have sex scenes or if they have a rape scene, like they're bringing in counselors and, and people who can sort of guide or set up a scene so that actors can feel safe and comfortable, which I think is a great thing and a thing we should continue to do moving forward because the one disturbing thing about it, if you look at older films that have sex scenes is like sometimes those scenes were surprises to the actresses, which right. is a horrifying thought. A lot of times if there is an actress involved, she's the only woman on set that day, which is yeah. again, a horrifying thought. Like there's a lot of, I think, in our new world discussions about how do we do this in a way that makes performers makes them actually, I was going to say feel safe, but where they're actually safe, where we're making sure that they don't leave a set with like mental and emotional scars because that's, we're just making art. You shouldn't leave with the mental and emotional scars. And it's a tough thing to do. But in a, like adjacent to that, I think, you know, Barry Jenkins recently did an entire mini series about slavery. And in it, he had to have a therapist on set the whole time because we have people like we're visiting these historic spaces. You know, it can be triggering and traumatizing, and I, I don't know. I just think it's like there's a lot of reasons for why Hollywood at this point is like, Ugh, how are we going to do this? How are we going to be judged? How do we sure the actors feel safe? How do we make sure that we don't get a rating that makes it impossible for our movie to do the kind of sales we need it to do? I, I do yeah. hope that we're seeing a, a surge in indie films where these things are maybe not so taboo and, and smaller casts and crews tend to have better rapport overall. So I don't know. Right. 
I, I do think what one last sort of possible explanation is that like it seems like a lot of the trend is happening at the same time as the explosion of internet porn. And I feel like may like it could be just that like people are like, well, now we have a different place to go for that. But that's bad because it uh <laughs> internet porn is a horrible place to learn about sex. Not saying movies are great, but mm-hmm. at least there's like a artistic vision that is trying to depict something that is realistic and like say something about it mm-hmm. usually as opposed to, you know, a lot of porn is really misleading and violent and not not leading people down a good so path. So you're saying that gaping and throbbing aren't realistic words for uh, a loving <laughs> sexual embrace? <laughs> right. Like the the thing that they're gaping, the thing, gaping <laughs> holes, gaping. Oh my what the god! Fuck are you, oh. That shit haunts me. Whenever I see that word, I'm just like, oh, like I just want to like drop the keyboard. I'm like, I shouldn't be here. This is gross. Right. I'm sorry. I'm like apologizing to like the ghosts of my ancestors, and they're just like, what are you looking at? I'm like, I'm sorry. I didn't. I'm sorry. I didn't. Oh god. You test the limits of your own <laughs> shit there, man. Whatever happened to that? I just want to see regular old actors who looked good and worked out and ate fucking boiled chicken breast for a month fuck or pretend to fuck. Right. Put on yeah, stockings yeah. and rub against each other, you know? Exactly. <laughs> the the writer's like, well, hopefully this is going to change because they cast Robert Pattinson as Batman and, you know, he's a sexual being on film. And the evidence that he is a sexual being on film is that he has masturbated in his last four films. Yes. Which feels kind of appropriate for our modern world, that that is like what (laughs) (laughs) what a sexual person is just masturbating to a uh, (laughs) to a mermaid icon (laughs) carved out of whale bone, which, by the way, Joe, I did watch. uh, You watch Lighthouse? And I loved it. The Isn't movie it so fucked good? me up. Yeah, thank you so much oh, for that recommendation. Man. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, Lydia, <laughs> such a pleasure having you on TDZ. As always, where can people find you, follow you, all that good stuff? Sure. You can follow me on social media on Instagram and Twitter at Hater Tuesday. Uh, you can go to my website, LydiaPopovich.com. Uh, and those are those are good places to, to come go. and find me. Yeah, for sure. If you're in Tennessee, I will be at the Bode Hotel on uh, St. Patrick's Day down in Nashville. It's uh, just be a little fun little comedy show. You can come by there. And then I'll be at the Punchline in San Francisco in June, too. Yeah, yeah. Nice. What's a tweet you've been enjoying? Ooh, I have one. I have one. Hold on. Let me pull it up. So it's not a funny tweet. It's it's not a joke tweet. It's just a sincere tweet. So this week was uh, International Women's Day was on Tuesday, right? Uh, And I am a big proponent of supporting other women in general. I think it's very important. And I love supporting women who are in technical fields. And because I'm still so excited about my Dolly Parton pinball machine, I wanted to give a shout out to at Lauren Cugliota. It's L-A-U-R-E-N-C-U-G-L-I-O-T-T-A. She is a pin ball technician based out of Jupiter, Florida. And she is one of the people that was on the team that helped put my machine together. But she has a really cool Twitter that she's just getting going. And it's her basically walking you through like how she repairs vintage machines. And she puts all these little cool videos. And I just think it's super cool that she is following her dreams and she is persisting and she is learning how to be a pinball technician. So follow her, check it out if you're into pinball and uh, yeah, support women in technical fields. Let's go, Lauren. Let's do it. 
Awesome. Joelle, where can people find you? What is the tweet you've been enjoying? Y'all know me. You can find me all over the internet at Joelle Monique. That's J-O-E-L-L-E-M-O-N-I-Q-U-E. Today, in response to Bob Chapik, the new CEO of Disney's decision to fund the Don't Say Gay bill in Florida, Josh Beams at Beams underscore Josh tweeted a thread of LGBTQ creatives who have brought massive success to the Disney company as a giant fuck you to this douchebag. I am (laughs) so frustrated at the idea of a company that has taken millions of gay dollars, who has a bunch of queer workers who are incredible human beings who like work really, really tirelessly to bring these stories to life and, and manage parks and any job Disney has, whatever job Disney has on their fire force, whatever, that now their hard work and the dollars people have spent could be going to shaming queer children, which we know leads to death. So fuck you, Bob. And um, go check out Beams underscore Josh's list of fantastic queer creators. And on a lighter note, Karina Longworth, four hours ago, the amazing podcaster. She does You Must Remember This Pod. You can find her at Remember This Pod. Just announced that in three weeks, the new season is going to be about erotic 80s movies. So time yeah. uh you can go Hell get yeah. your whole life with Karina Hell Longworth. Yeah. Amazing. It was even like the the article even just like points out in Poltergeist, like the there's a scene where the parents like get ready to fuck. Like the mom's mm-hmm. smoking weed, the dad's a little drunk, and you can tell, oh, these are like real human beings who have sex with each other. Like that's that's how that's a recognizable human sex went to tv yeah i'm guessing poltergeist won't be the movie that is covered in the series (laughs) of erotic (laughs) 80s movies but like i mean it's just like even down to like complete movies we don't think of as erotic like in the Mm -hmm. the least bit also i'm pronouncing erotic erotic uh that's how that's how little eroticism there is in our movies (laughs) i forgot how to pronounce it I look forward to hearing her takes on Porky's one through three. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, tweet I've been enjoying. Joe Rumrill tweeted at a job interview to be a lifeguard, really trying to nail it. <laughs> Sorry. Not used to a chair being so close to the ground. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, you can find... Me on Twitter at Jack underscore O'Brien. You can find us on Twitter at Daily Zeitgeist. We're at The Daily Zeitgeist on Instagram. We have a Facebook fan page and a website, dailyzeitgeist.com, where we post our episodes and our footnotes. Footnotes! Where we link off to the information that we talked about in today's episode, as well as a song that we think you might enjoy. And, uh, you know, when Miles isn't around, sometimes we like to ask Super Producer Justin what what song he thinks our listeners should go listen to. Justin, do you you have a recommendation, sir? Yeah. Today, I want y'all to check out a song called Galaxy Surfing by a group of young musicians, very talented. Uh, I think it's just a duo. They're called Jadu Heart. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that correctly. It's J-A-D-U. H-E-A-R-T. This song is very, very uh, relaxing. It really, I mean, the title tells you everything you need to know about it. If you want to feel like you're drifting away amongst the stars, just looking at beautiful visions and you want to just melt away for a little bit, you can check out this track, Galaxy Surfing by Jaddy Hart, and it'll be in the footnotes. Is that, were you describing dying right there? 
Sure. Yeah. It, away, yeah. Visions of stars and lights yeah. in your eyes. It's the human Hell soul yeah. dying. It's, it's the corporation just killing your soul. But yeah. it's, a, it's, a, it's a good death. It's a happy death. A, war, a warrior's death. The happy death of having your soul escape your body because of one too many trust falls. All right. Well, The Daily Zeitgeist is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. That's going to do it for us this morning. We are back this afternoon to tell you what's trending, and we will talk to you all then. Bye. Bye. Here's something you might not know about wireless. Sometimes what you see isn't what you get. But with Visible, what you see is what you get. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. Just $25 per month, taxes and fees included. Switch now at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought... In that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Zeit gang, you like to watch new stuff, right? I mean, who doesn't? I do. Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time, like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama, a new season of The Kardashians starring the Kardashians, of course, and Grand Cayman Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's streaming now, and it's waiting for you on Hulu. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA.